Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and the trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And now, Dump Month is done. Yes. We've discussed the good and the bad of Dump Month. And we've entered the second half of January, which is Japanuary. Yes. Second, second yeah. year in a row. We're but... halfway through January already, which is incredible. Yeah. Well, kind of. It's an awkward month, January. It is. Yeah. Tuesdays. <laughs> well, we, uh, yeah, we, we were at the midway point, um, sort of. And we are entering Japanuary now, where we will be discussing Japanese films for the rest of the month. But before we get into that, it's time for another round of What's New with Chris and Gary. Best and worst films that we've watched this week. I don't believe there's a worst. But again, this includes TV shows as well. But even and even that, I don't think there's a worst. No, no, I, I, there hasn't been anything bad this week. No, so thankfully. I'd say my top, very close. I'm gonna give it. Oh, I don't know. I've got to pick one. I'm gonna pick one on the spot. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say Grave of the Fireflies. Okay. It's my top, of the week. But I, when I say it's close, I mean it is. Fucking close. Grave of the Fireflies, absolutely devastating. First time watch. And, yeah, if you want your night ruined, watch that film. Yeah. But it is a masterpiece. Uh, It is a perfect anti-war film. And it's just beautifully animated. And perfectly written to show the devastating effects of war. Yeah, very touching, heart-wrenching. Um very sad film and it's no spoiler but you know it's it's very very sad and there will be tears <laughs> probably yeah. you know from a lot of people who watch it um fantastic week for films yeah we've really chosen well um my favorite film that we've watched this week is uh ugetsu yeah um fantastic loved it um I just love Japanese cinema from that period. And yeah, I just a bit melodramatic. Mm. It's a, a bit uh, camp in places as well. And yeah, just fun, really fun. Yeah. But not fun because actually really sad bits as well. <laughs> but a film that I'm sure came close for both of us to be in number one is Poor Things. It's finally been released in the UK. Yeah, so our favourite new release, finally released in the UK for 2024, is Poor Things. Yeah. Really, really loved it. Thought it, the performances were fantastic. Looked amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed the message of the film. I was really fully invested for... Two and a half hours? Yeah. You know, really fully invested, enjoyed it. Emma Stone can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, because I haven't seen that one where she plays a different one. <laughs> Is that <laughs> do a you thing? That one? No. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Um, I think it was called Aloha. Oh god. And she was, I believe, if I remember correctly, meant to be playing a, a mixed race character. Who was uh, half Chinese? Yes. Mm. But the less said about that, the better. But anyway, poor yeah, things was fantastic. 
Um, And Emma Stone, apart from that slip, can do no wrong in my eyes. I love Emma Stone. I love her energy on and off screen. Um, She's very similar to Jennifer Lawrence in the sense that I feel like I would be good friends with her. Yeah. If you're listening, Emma Stone, you know, DM me. Um, for dinner, as, pizza as phenomenal as Emma Stone was, and it, as much as it is a uh, feminist masterpiece, I think something also needs to be said about the fact that Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe both provided career best performances as well. I mean, Mark Ruffalo was hilarious, uh, really hams it up so much to create this unlikable character that is just so fucking funny to watch. Yeah, it felt like Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo worked so well together that in any of us sort of anyone else's hands, they may be fighting against each other for mm. the attention. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think that at all. No. Uh, Mark Ruffalo was just as hilarious as Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. I thought his character was hilarious. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe, yeah, fantastic. I think he looked great. I mean, the the effects on his face were were brilliant. Mm. And Willem Dafoe is, despite having a very recognisable face, is one of those actors, and I'd put Gary Oldman into that category as well, who can be a bit of a chameleon. Yeah. And you do kind of forget it's Willem Dafoe Mm -hmm. at times. And obviously the... Um, special effects makeup helps with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's always good. Always good. Always willing to find. Uh, aside from that, we started Echo, which I'm glad to report is a lot better than What If. Yeah, I like I like Echo. Is is Echo more akin to the Daredevil TV series? It's closer in tone. It feels yeah, yeah. the tone. I I I think we watched a couple of episodes yeah, of yeah. the Daredevil TV series. Um, so I feel like it's a little darker than the rest of the MCU, which which I appreciate because it's something a little different. Yeah, yeah, some great. You haven't really seen before. I loved yeah. the emphasis on the Native American yeah. culture. Yeah, really, really, really appreciate that. Something completely different. Thank God. Yeah, you know, and I I love when the the MCU incorporates culture into the show mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't feel forced it feels very natural and it teaches you something yeah. about a culture you know and embraces it fully doesn't play on any stereotypes mm-hmm. as it shouldn't and i'm assuming there's a lot of input from the culture that they are showing on screen yeah. obviously all the actors are uh, Native American. I'd, I'd like to hope, yeah. I haven't done my research, that the uh-huh. writers are too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Drag Race has continued being good. Uh, the Real Housewives, the Solid City reunion has started. Yeah, love the reunion. Um, I feel like it's going to get juicier. Yeah. Um, they haven't necessarily spoken about the elephant in the room. No. Just yet. Old uh, reality von Tees herself, mm-hmm. um, so it's only going to get better. Um, yeah. They're bringing Mary on board next episode. Yeah, I'm not a huge. I know people really, really love Mary. She's very candid, but um, I'm I'm not a massive. Fan. No, I I just sometimes I imagine if she spoke to me the way that she speaks to people, I'd probably it cry. Just, it just feels like she doesn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. 
But and she's also like really rude to staff as well, like waiting staff, and it, uh-huh. I, I don't, yeah, I don't like that energy from no. my housewives. We also watched our first documentary of the year with the disappearance of Cher Heights, a real powerful feminist icon who I had no idea existed until this film, which is the point of the film. Absolutely, absolutely, um, a really interesting character. Well, you know what I mean, uh, woman. And um, I I have to say, embarrassingly enough, I will admit, from the trailer, I thought she went missing. <laughs> so I misinterpreted what I had seen before we went to see the film. So I thought it was a documentary, like a true crime documentary. And it wasn't. And I was pleasantly surprised because Cher Height was a fascinating woman, really... At, um, we're a strong woman. And, yeah. You know, we love a strong woman on the podcast. And it doesn't mean all women have to be strong. But we really appreciate that. Well, she broke she boundaries. S- she broke boundaries. You know, she sold millions of copies of books. She absolutely fucking slayed an outfit. Mm. She was a model as well. Looked beautiful. And, um, yeah, it, she didn't disappear. Unfortunately, she died in 2020. She didn't disappear, but... Her work, in many yeah. ways, disappeared. And yeah. The idea is that they're shining a light on this woman that, unfortunately, time forgot, who at one point was the name on everybody's lips. Yeah. And particularly in terms of feminism and feminist writing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a real shame that she has been forgotten. I said to Gary afterwards, um, Jessica Chastain absolutely needs to play her. I think Jessica Chastain can get her next Oscar, playing her in a film, uh-huh. a biopic. And I think that biopic would work. I, I think actually, it's Greta Gerwig for me. I, yeah. I was getting Greta Gerwig. But you're getting it from the voice. But also she kind of looked like her a little bit as well, I thought. I was getting just like, the red hair and yeah. sort of pale skin. I was Maybe getting... they can play her at two separate time periods. Maybe. I think that's close in age, though. Yeah. Um, but it's also, I mean, the disappearance of Cher Height was released at the most perfect time, you know, when Poor Things has just been released here in the UK and everyone's talking about, oh, should we be seeing sex on screen? And then there's the Golden Globes with the real jarring misogyny on display. So this film about this woman who spoke so openly about sex and particularly the female orgasm, female uh, anatomy, and, you know being so ahead of her time and discussing gender roles and such, it just feels like such a good time to bring her story back to the forefront. Um, When it's in many ways just as valid now as it was back then. Yeah, yeah. For for Cher, the female sexuality was at the forefront of feminism. Mm. For for her, that facet of feminism was female sexuality and how important that is in equality. Yeah. And that women do deserve good sex lives. Yeah. And that is very akin to what Poor Things was saying. Yeah. Absolutely. And finally, for my last highlight is... Do you have any more? I don't, know. Uh, my no. last highlight would be The Quiet Family. Oh, yeah. The uh, Korean film from the director of such classics as A Tale of Two Sisters. And I saw The Devil, Kim Ji-won. And, uh, yeah, it's a horror comedy mm-hmm. 
about a family who just can't stop having bad luck whilst trying to run their mountain in. Uh, and it's dark. It's funny. And uh, I, I thought it was it was really good. Which is quite fitting that I mentioned this because to, that brings me to today's film. The remake of The Quiet Family. There we go. <laughs> Our first film of January, it is The Happiness of the Katakuris from 2001. Seamless segue there, Gary. Yes, well thank done. you, thank you. Uh, a spoiler warning is in effect from this moment on. We will be talking about this batshit crazy film from front to back. And please, if you haven't seen it, pause and go and watch it. Like, I urge you to. This is one of my absolute favourite films. For me... This is my idea of what a perfect film is. It is horror, it is comedy, it is drama, it is romance, it is fantasy. It is... Musical. Musical. It is an imposter pretending he's Queen Elizabeth's nephew doing a monologue about Princess Diana's death. It is honestly the most, one of the most insane films I've ever seen. And you have to see this film. So please, go and watch it before listening to this. It is directed by the master himself, Takashi Miike, who has directed 13 Assassins, Audition, Itchy the Killer, First Love, Visitor Q, One Miss Call, The Great Yoki, Yokai War, The Great Yokai War Guardians, and many, 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 many more. Yes, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like there was like a, over a hundred films that he's directed. Yeah. Really very prolific. Um, we've seen only the good. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't yeah. think it's a bad one. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I've enjoyed all the films yeah. I've seen of his. But there are many, many, many of them. And there are. some of them aren't known to be the best. No, but I, I've fully been very fortunate so far. <laughs> I fully intend to watch a big chunk of them, if not yes. all of them. It's written by um, Kikumi Yamagashi, who did Over Your Dead Body, Samurai Marathon, Zatoichi, The Last, Kung Fu Kid, Harakiri, Death of a Samurai. And um, yeah, they both sat down, uh, Kikumi Yamagashi and Takeshi Miike, both sat down, watched The Quiet Family, and thought, you know what this needs? Musical numbers. Yeah. And zombies. <laughs> and demonic cherubs. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was saying to, to Gary earlier when we were discussing the film, we'd watched the behind-the-scenes documentary, and I very much got the idea that some of it was on the fly. That not, not all of it, because obviously stuff like musical numbers and songs and such would have to have been pre four, obviously, before filming. But there seemed to be a, a, a way of Takashi Miike saying, well, you just play that however yeah. you want to play it, you know, to mm -hmm. the actors. Just like, I, I haven't really got anything specific in mind. So I feel like some of the sort of abstract nature of it comes from Takashi Miike's directorial style in terms of, yeah, it would just go with the flow a little bit. But it all yeah. does kind of make sense, it though. It does. It does. It's it, it's a miracle that this works as well as it does. Um, because it's so... And it's, it's very much... We always say it. You know, this is very much a film that could only be made in Japan. Um, it, it, it's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. The, the opening makes no sense for the rest of the film. 
and it it just works. It, yeah, we need to we need to get into it. But before yes. we do, budget is the equivalent of one point five million dollars. I don't know how much it made worldwide, but it is a cult film. It's gained a cult following over the years. Should we talk about who's in it? Yes, in a section we like to call "Hey, I know you." So we have Kenji Sawada, who plays Masao Katakuri. And he was in The Man Who Stole the Sun, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, Samurai Reincarnation, The Zen Diary, Haruko the Goblin, and more. Yeah, I'm not, I, I mean, some good films there. I don't, I don't know if he was quite famous before the film. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't really know his history as a... No, but he does a great job. I mean, everyone in this film everyone does a great does. job. And I must say, everyone the documentary, uh, The Making of the Katakuris, is essential viewing because it's just probably the most wholesome documentary I've ever seen. It's just half an hour of people just having fun making this film and talking about how great Takashi Miike is. That's, that's literally all it is. And, you know, I don't think I, I learned anything about the film from that. Uh there's you the, absolutely get a sense of people enjoying themselves. Yeah. There's not the most amount of trivia out there for this film. And mm. I, I genuinely get the impression it's just a bunch of people getting together and having a fun time making a film. Mm. I mean, and that's how it comes across in the film. And it's how it comes across in the documentary, which is which makes it even more fun. Um, Kaiko Matsuzaka plays Teru Katakuri. And uh, she was in She No Tog, Fall Guy. Not that full guy. Lovers Lost, Sishun Nomon, Future Family, The House Where the Mermaid Sleeps, Legend of the Demon Cat, The Single Teacher, Miss Hayako, and more. The Single Teacher, Miss Hayako, sounds like our sort of thing. That does, actually. Um, again, not too familiar with her work. Um, potentially, I mean, these could be very famous actors in, in Japan. So one thing that we tend to over here uh, miss out on is Japanese TV. Yeah. So potentially if she was a very famous TV actress mm -hmm. in Japan, that's never really made its way over here. No. Films. Yes, absolutely. Anime as well. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, I'm thinking what's the Japanese equivalent to EastEnders <laughs> or like a soap opera. But they're household names yeah. here, but you know, I, I don't think anyone in Japan would know who Patsy Palmer was. You know, it's no, yeah, <laughs> they know who the Nolans are though. They did, yeah, the Nolans are very popular apparently. <laughs> weird, weird to think of. Um, Shinji Takeda plays uh, Masayuki Katakuri, and he is in Gohato Pulse. Bishoku Tantai, uh, Akeki Goro, Tokyo Eyes, 100 Million Yen Goodbye, Dr. X, The Serialist, Princess Go, and more. Um, new Love in Tokyo. Uh, yes, uh... I'm just looking at the poster. Um, that's added to my watch list. <laughs> new lo a, a New Love in Tokyo. Life, Love, Sex, Work, Play. There are so many ways to tie them up. Yes. <laughs> we go. And Naomi Nishida plays Shizui Katakuri, and she was in The Secret Garden, Nabi no Koi, Godzilla 2000, Haunted School 3, Atom's Last Shot, Village, 
Sudaku DX, Skeleton Flower, Around the Table, and more. Um, Sudaku, Sudaku? Yeah. DX, is that the Girlfriend Ring, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, many, many, many films in that franchise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, let's... Would, uh, Tetsuro Tamba, yeah. who played Grandpa, Jinpai Ketakuri, he was in, and this is a great list, Harakiri, yeah. Kwaidan, You Only Live Twice, uh-huh. Ricky O, The Story of Ricky, Gozu, Three Outlaws Samurai, Graveyard of Honor, uh, Message from Space. Um, he appeared in one of the um, oh, uh, Battles Without Honor and Humanity oh. films. He was in Assassination. Nice. Uh, really, yeah, fantastic. Harakiri is one of my absolute favorite films of all time. So, yeah, very prolific actor. Just looking here, so many films. Well, unfortunately, I didn't get down what uh, the guy who plays Richard was in. And obviously, he's the star of the piece. Richard. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so, the gentleman who played Richard, uh, Kiyoshiro Imawano, um, he was in, not too much, actually. So, he was in uh, Sakuran. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Great Yokai War. And a few of death death powder. He so should really have had in, a, in not much at all. He should have had a, a gigantic career, um, with the performance he puts in this film. Um, but let's get to it. Let's talk about feature presentation. We start with a woman being served soup in a restaurant. Yes. You know, just having a bit of lunch. It's a nice restaurant. It is. Um, in her soup, though, is a special ingredient. She finds a demonic cherub who grabs her yuvola. Yuvola, is that how you say y- it? Yuvola. Yeah. So it's that dangly um, bit at the back of your yeah, throat. Yeah. I always thought with the tonsils, but apparently the tonsils are well. either side. Yeah. You, you see Claire Richards' Yuvolo uh, in the tragedy video. Um, the cherub pulls it out, says, My Yuvola, and chases after it when it flies away. This is the opening minutes of the film. Yes. I mean... So this is heart-shaped. <laughs> yeah. So we're in... Um, what's it called? Uh, claymation. Yeah, now, we're switching we? to claymation. Yes. This film has a tendency when the budget doesn't quite fit what uh, Takeshi Miike wants to do, it turns into claymation. Or maybe when it's just not possible to do. And some of it, yeah. Well, no, I mean, you can, yeah, you can it's, throw somebody yeah. off a cliff, you know, but I suppose. You're not sure you could pull You're not going to get that, that poor man who was probably in his 70s at the time to dangle off the cliff. So, yes, I understand that. <laughs> I mean, he did the same in First Look with the uh, one of the car chases. There's a bit of an animated sequence in that as well. I like the way he blends it together and it works really well. And the animation just looks so good. Well, he went on record at Takeshi Miike saying that the um, Union Jack bus from the Spice Shut World up. was a big influence. Not quite. 
Um, when the cherub catches up to Yuvula, uh, it eats it before the cherub itself is then eaten by a crow, which is then killed by a teddy bear. A snake then eats a wanted sign, uh, another one of the Yuvula stealing cherubs is born, and a bird shits on someone's head, who then throws a plank of wood at it and kills it before his dog eats it. And I swear to you, everything I've just said may have sounded like Katie Price on morning TV, talking about her week. Nah. But it may sound like what Tom Girardi got up to, but I swear to you, that is exactly what happens in this fucking bizarre film. Yeah. It is top class entertainment. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't connect with the rest of the I film. I think it does. Does it? I think the film is about, first and foremost, it's about family. Yeah. But secondly, I think it's about life and death. Mm-hmm. It's about a beginning, a middle and end. Yeah. And I think the opening sequence, I, I don't know why a snake, a cherub, uh, a teddy bear, um, Yvula is is chosen. Um, but I feel like it's about life and death. Yeah. And about you know, rebirth and the, the circle of life. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I didn't look at it like that. I mean, in a batshit crazy way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's not you know. Maybe I'm diving a little too I deep. I don't know. Into it. Yeah, I, I just don't know how he sat there and just like thought of that yeah. series of events. <laughs> but I'm I'm here for it. Um, the Katakuris are a four generation family of failures. We've got the patriarch and shoe salesman Maso Katakuri, his ordinary housewife Teru, oh. his father Jinpai, who threw the plank of wood at very the accurately, very as well, accurately. May I add? From the ground, and it, it hit the bird. Yeah, really good throw. Um, his former, his formerly criminal son Masayuki, his divorced daughter Shizu, who is always falling in and out of love, her child Yuri, and their dog Pochi. So Yuri narrates the film. Yeah. So it's it's kind of told from her perspective, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because do we question what actually happened? That's true. In terms of it's so wacky and so out there that it's Mm -hmm. almost from a child's mind. Yeah. There's a few adult things, you know, um, discussed in it and shown in it, but it's, it's so kind of abstract at times. It does feel like it's been narrated by a child. Uh And I, I, and then look, watching the documentary, you see a kind of childlike glee from Takeshi Miike yeah. when all this weird stuff's happening. Yeah, it is kind of like if you sat a child down to watch The Quiet Family and said, tell me what happened in that, you'd probably get something like yeah, this. Yeah, it's true, actually. Um, the family uses the father's redundancy pay to purchase a large old home situated on a former garbage dump near Mount Fuji that, the, that they have named the White Lovers Inn. <laughs> yeah. I'm they... sure that means something else in, <laughs> in Japan. Um, they have the intention of converting it into a bed and breakfast, since the road running nearby is supposed to be expanded up to the house, which would bring many guests and tourists. However, the road hasn't been expanded yet, and the Katakuris subsequently have no guests. Um, uh, first extra characters we get mm. that make an appearance. Um, it's kind of like a variety show. People yes, just show up. They do. Throughout, um, and the first <laughs> characters are a group of older lady hikers on a spiritualist training trip heading towards the BNB, but they start freaking out when there's an eclipse and they run away. Yeah, 
Um, it kind of looks like that. You know, they're scared. The B and B, like there's something there, perhaps a curse. Yeah. Which is kind of what we get in the Quiet Family. Now, this whole film remake, yes, also feels like a parody. Yeah, yeah. I found with the Quiet Family, it, it was a very black humor, uh, very dark, and for me, it doesn't it didn't always work. Um, but I do feel like the idea is that they thought they were cursed. But actually, they were kind of in control of everything, and they made very yeah. poor decisions. Um, something happened by accident that they thought was meant they were cursed, mm-hmm. and then what came after that was all their own doing. Yeah, that's what that's what I got from that. And I think with happiness of the Katakuris, I feel like the um, supernatural elements are heightened. Yes, so it's yeah. not quite a comment on them as a family yeah. making poor decisions, even though they do make some poor decisions. Yeah, this is like the super melodramatic version mm. of, of The Quiet Family. Yeah. Um, you know, the fantasy version um, that just makes... When you watch The Quiet Family immediately after this, it's such a quiet, subdued and grounded film. Um, Unintended. Yes. Uh, and then this is just so over the top and in your face that it doesn't have a quiet moment in it. Um, after all those events, we get the title card and uh, Yuri says, this is a story of one summer's events for the family that I love. So whilst having dinner, the this family... Is a story of a girl named Yuri. <laughs> Thank you. Well, whilst having dinner, the family watch a news report about one guest house... <laughs> <laughs> That's cut labour costs by making animals do all the work and now they're constantly fully booked. A bug crawls up his nose and he struggles to do the rest of the report. So they change the channel and a drag queen is giving us a slave performance to which uh, the older daughter of the family, Yuri's mother, says, uh, isn't that actress the same age as you, mum? And uh, Teru says, uh, look at the state of her. (laughs) Which I... Well, it might be a spoiler... But we took her out of the uh, the running for uh, the queen. <laughs> I, I yeah, I didn't appreciate that because I thought the drag queen was serving a look. I thought she looked great. Yeah, but can anyone nail a, a karaoke number as much as Tara? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but this is she's, she's. Oh, who said? Look at the state of her. Tara. Oh, I thought it was Shizui. <laughs> no, oh, okay. No. Oh, okay. Oh dear. <laughs> wow, I'm in two minds now. Um, I liked, well, I say I liked, I laughed when the uh, reporter says, the pigs thought we could either work or become sausages. <laughs> which, just... which I feel like we all feel that way about work. You know, yeah. we either work or we become sausages. Yes. It's, it's, the, it's one or the other uh-huh. in life. Um, when a guest finally shows up, he sings Song of Despair in his room and commits suicide during the night. Now, the soundtrack in this film, absolutely banging. Is it on vinyl? I don't think so, it should unfortunately. Be. Um, I went through a lot on the internet to try and track down the song names, and I think they're accurate. Okay. Where I don't think they're accurate, I've left it out just in case. Mm. Um, but I, I believe this one is Song of Despair. <laughs> I would assume so, because he then kills himself. Yeah. <laughs> Suicide is not a funny subject, but 
somehow this film managed to make a situation revolving around suicide absolutely hilarious. And the Katakuris the next day, genuinely, I'm not exaggerating when I say this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> they entered the room in the most melodramatic way, complete with a choreographed dance routine, whilst performing the song Discovery. And they're doing poses. It's fucking stupid. It's so stupid. But it is my exact type of humour and never fails to make me laugh. Exactly. When it comes to a dark humour, you have to be committed. Yeah. You can't half-ass it. You leave it to the professionals. Because too many people on the internet or, you know, on film or doing stand-up comedy, I won't name any names, but they think a dark humour is just throwing shit out there and hoping it lands. Yeah. There's a nuance to it. Yeah. There's, you have to be fully committed. Not mm -hmm. everybody can do that type of humour. Yeah. And for it to work. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it works. You know, it, it, yes, it's a, um, a dark subject, but it's treated... <laughs> You know, uh -huh. quite well in, in terms of yeah. the humour. The fucking song and dance number about discovering his body, you know. It, when he's singing this song about being sad, he starts to fly into space and yeah. then he gets interrupted <laughs> and falls to the ground. It's so wacky and so silly and out there. And I feel like I'm going to keep repeating that throughout yeah, the film. Yeah, it's cartoony. The whole, yeah, it's, it's so cartoony that you can't help but giggle at it. Yeah, which makes sense of what you said about the narrative being told from Yuri's perspective. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm completely looking at it in a completely different way now. That does make sense. Yeah. Um, after they finish their song, um, they're like, where's the will? At least leave a will, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm not really sure what that means. But the, again, it was a throwaway line in the quiet uh, families. They're like, oh, did you leave a will? But this one's like, where the fuck? Where's the will, you bastard? Yeah. It's like everything is just so much more over the top. But I feel, but I don't know what will means. Like I... left them money, <laughs> like an insurance thing. Is that a thing? Surely a will would be for someone he knows. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they made the decision to save their business by burying the body and concealing the death, and they perform hiding the body whilst doing this. There's a song for everything in this film. Yes, even hiding a dead body. So during this, uh, Shizui and Yuri, they, they've gone off, so they yeah. don't discover the body. So Shizui, um, we all make choices, but this How cardigan's a choice. How dare you? This cardigan's a choice. It's like a crocheted cardigan in a deep pink, um, but it's got like flowers down one of the sides, and it, it, it's not a good look. I'm sorry. Oh. Did you see in the documentary, the actress was like, oh, I, I think it's all right. And Takeshi Miike turns around, oh, it's not really you, your colour, is it? <laughs> and even the jokes in the film, because as she's leaving, her grandfather says, oh, don't you look lovely today? And she goes, oh, thank you, goes off. And her mother is the one to turn around and says, well, if she likes it, then what can we say? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a choice. Wow, we all me. make choices. Slave. It's a choice. Wow. Um, I she's... like the dress underneath. <laughs> well, it's giving uh, picnic a hanging rock. 
Well, it must be good because it makes someone fall in love with her. Shizui. Um, <laughs> not quite. Sings a song about the magic of love before she falls in love with a man calling himself Richard Sagawa, a US naval officer with the British Navy. Yes. She has a fantasy that he sends her a paper plane with I love you written on it, along with a drawing of her and a bug, and they perform a song about the feeling of love together. And it is high camp. I love it. It's a Latin-inspired duet. Um, really, really love it. I love this scene. I think, <laughs> I think the fact that she, the first thing she does is turn around to Yuri and say, "Would you be happy if you had a new daddy?" <laughs> Rightfully, <laughs> as described, she does fall for men very, very quickly. <laughs> I absolutely love the fact that he is called Richard. <laughs> He is dressed as Richard Gere in An Officer and a Gentleman. Yeah. That is the, the most random joke for a Takeshi Miike <laughs> film. The most random reference. Uh, spoiler alert, we get another reference to The Sound of Music later, we which do. is crazy uh, to think of from the director of Audition and Issue the Killer. This is the same year as Issue the Killer. Yeah. And we, we're getting Richard Gere... Love lift us up where we belong references. But what's even funnier is the fact that she seemingly believes that he's a white man. Like, it's yeah, the, yeah. It's the way he's like I'm from the US Army and I'm from the US Navy and, and the British Navy. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, your Japanese is so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, he wants her phone number. Well, <laughs> and how does he say that, Gary? Well, he wakes her up while she's rolling around on the yeah. floor and oh, tells yes. her. How great she is. And that her husband's very lucky to have her. To which she says that she's single. And Yuri's like, dad had an affair with a high school girl. <laughs> so he's like, by order of Queen Elizabeth, give me your mobile number. <laughs> <laughs> it is seriously the highest of high cab. And Richard, uh, we give out biggest queen at the end of the episode. Richard might be my favourite character in this entire film. Nah. He is just... Fucking ridiculous. He's so ridiculous. Best criminal. He's so bad at it, but he's the best criminal. He also... Forgive me if I'm, if this isn't correct, but he does look a lot older than her as well. Yeah. He is a bit like... Like, why is she falling for this much older <laughs> criminal? And I'm pretty sure if he was in the Navy, he wouldn't be allowed such long hair. No, like, no. Uh, after a few more days without a guest, a sumo wrestler who was on athlete singing contest and his younger girlfriend show up. Um, uh, his younger, very petite, very girlfriend. petite girlfriend. Yes, um, Richard calls Shizui while she whilst he's flying over Iraq uh, to tell her how much he loves her whilst he's been attacked. Yeah, he pulls a Glenn from Nightmare on Elm Street, tricking her with a tape. Um. Yeah, someone's Turn, called... <laughs> turns out he's neither an officer nor a gentleman. No, we see he's in his room with a tape machine playing whilst taking the call. <laughs> and it sounds like his, his jet plane's going down. It's given a matter of life and death. <laughs> it's, he's uh, he's on his way out and she's gutted. She's devastated. Um, meanwhile, the sumo wrestler... <laughs> And his girlfriend constantly have sex as soon as they arrive. Yes, being young and starry-eyed, they only have one thing on their mind. They do. Um, which leads to him dying of a heart attack and her dying underneath him. Yes. Um, <laughs> to <laughs> great shock, 
We don't realise that she's died underneath him no. until much later. <laughs> yes. At first they debate chopping him up. Yeah. Um, and they're arguing about the situation. And then they realise that she's underneath him. And they decide to bury them both. Just when Officer Miyaki shows up, asking them to fill out a form to say who lives there and hands them a wanted poster. Now, the guy on it, was it the guy who committed suicide? The guy in the bottom, or was it the guy from later on? I think it's the guy from later on. Okay. It's him. Yes. And Richard. And Richard. In his Navy outfit. In his <laughs> officer and a gentleman outfit. Um, but, but... The char- none of the characters see this. None at of them this pay point. attention. She, to this she doesn't see this. She shoves it on the on the desk. Um, a group of people show up looking for something to eat, and the family are so happy to see ordinary people. Yeah, they're, they're looking for cake specifically, yeah. aren't they? Whilst they're stood there, like with dirt all over them, with shovels in their hand, looking so suspicious, yeah. and they're like, "Oh my god, yes, ordinary people." Uh, Masao is so happy about the new customers to the point. He leads the family into the musical number, The Road to Happiness and Health, a song about them wanting to run the guest house together as a family. My personal favourite of the songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, so he's having a little reminisce about them moving into the guest house and and how um, hopeful they were. Masayuki, being the cool dude, wasn't quite convinced at the start. But the choreographed song and dance number helped tremendously. <laughs> and he's on board by the end. Um, as as things do tend yeah, to in, yeah. in, in cinema, a choreographed song and dance number is yeah. more convincing than anything else. Um, it's so funny that they're acting like this, like considering the fact that three people have just died in their B&B. Yeah. And they've completely forgot about it now. They've got some people that want Kate. They're doing a song and dance number. Yeah. Um, Marcel receives a call telling him that the lake area will be dug up soon for the new road. So Taru suggests moving the bodies. But guess who arrives? <laughs> it's none other than our Lord and Saviour, Richard. He shows up at the guest house and tells Shizui that he's thought about her every day before telling her that he wants to eat her, which caused her to faint. Yeah. In a bizarre series of events. Well, he survived one battle, and now he's got another battle on his hands, hasn't he, Gary? The the big battle of Code Brown. The battle of Um, Code Brown. He gets a room, he finds the first corpse's wallet, um, before literally shitting himself. (laughs) Why? (laughs) It doesn't matter, it's fucking hilarious. Because nothing's funnier than those (laughs) noises from someone's (laughs) stomach. It's so funny. I, I really don't know why this is in there, but it's so funny. No idea. It's never explained. Um, it's also, it's not a battle. It's a war. Yeah. Because he may, he may have t- tummy troubles again sometime soon. <laughs> um. Well, he's very brave. Considering, he, but spoiler alert, he shoves something up there and that he's trying to steal. Yeah. <laughs> And it stays up there for a long time. This is one of those things that I do feel may have not been in the script to begin with. (laughs) I feel potentially that whilst the scene was playing out, somebody, uh, Takeshi Miike or the actor, thought, do you know what would be good? Why don't I pretend like I really need a poo during this scene? (laughs) I feel like it needs something extra, an extra 
spice or something. I'm not a liar. I'm very biased. I mean, if this was in an Adam Sandler film, I'd be fucking fuming. I'd be like, are you <laughs> yeah, fucking serious? Yeah. Are you <laughs> seriously think that's fucking funny? Well, which one, which one's the one where... Um, um, oh, what's his name? Ben Stiller mm. clogs the toilet. Was it Along Came Polly? Maybe. So he has IBS, and the joke is that he clogs the toilet, like on the first date. And still manages to find love. I have no idea which yeah. one it is. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. to say that. Along claim, yeah, Jennifer Aniston plays Polly. Oh, yeah, then it would I'm be. Assuming. Yeah, she comes along. She does. What's on the ship? Yeah. Uh, but in in no. this, but as I was saying, in a film like that, you know, I'd be like, oh, come on, so lazy. But in this film, it's just so much going on. It's like, do you know what? That's fucking funny. <laughs> Again, toilet humor in the right hands yeah. works. Um, Marcel and Taru perform the karaoke love song, complete with lyrics on screen for the audience to join in. It's given 80s pop music video. Uh, Marcel is in a suit and Taru is just slaying the house down boots in that black dress. And the long wig. Stunning. Curly hair. Absolutely stunning. She sings of having no regrets despite the difficulties they have faced following their dreams. And this is probably my favourite song from the film. Yeah, it's my favourite musical number. Mm. As as far as the music video goes, it is just ridiculously camp. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm here for it. We see how they met uh, whilst Masao is shining shoes. Uh, He's superimposed onto it in an army outfit at points. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's I'm assuming that's... Well, no, his redundancy wouldn't be from the army. I don't think so. It'd be a pension. <laughs> I don't think there's any no. reason for him to be in the outfit. But yeah. yeah. Um, Richard tells Jazui that he is the nephew, brace yourself, of Queen Elizabeth II herself. Yeah. And then he gives us a monologue. Uh, <laughs> out of nowhere, he's, he remembers cuddles with uh, Auntie Elizabeth. And he's like, Diana, if only I'd been there. She often called me for advice. I said to Charles, you must treasure your wife. The crash happened when I was away on duty. I'll never forgive the paparazzi. (laughs) (laughs) Just when this film couldn't get any more perfect, there's a fucking monologue about Princess Diana's death (laughs) by her cousin. Yeah. Would it be a cousin? Cousin Cousin-in-law. I mean, royal family, they're all inbred, who knows? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But... It, there was nothing. The funny thing is, this is only like four years removed yeah. <laughs> from her death, so it's not. Like, obviously, we're having a giggle now, but that must have been a bit on the nose at the time. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, do you think anyone from the royal family has seen this film? Um, yeah, Prince Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He um he had quite the tartan video collection back <laughs> in the day. Uh, Richard sings to Shizui about how great she is before telling her he needs money to get to England to see Auntie Elizabeth. Um, but then he starts flying. He does. Yes. Jim Pye is watching this with his plank of wood. Yeah. And uh, he clocks Richard for what he's trying to do. So Richard gets a nosebleed. He then starts singing about his cock and Jim Pye hits him over the head. Which causes him to shit out the guest house ashtray, which he had hidden up his ass. 
And I must say, he must douche very well because it's very clean. It's very clean. Very clean. Seriously, this is genuinely... The past 10 minutes uh, might be the f- 10 of the funniest minutes ever put on screen. It's... I can't even explain why. It's just so fucking funny. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous. So out of nowhere. Imagine if Will Ferrell was doing that. It wouldn't be funny. <laughs> um, Yeah. It's just so, so silly. And it gets even more ridiculous when Shizui swing kicks Richard down a hill. And as he uh, as he's trying to attack Jinpai, um, but as he's going over because the the on the edge of a cliff, as he's going over the edge of the cliff, he grabs Jinpai and they both go down as they transform into clay. Yeah, so we're back to the claymation because yeah. they obviously didn't want to kill any actors off. <laughs> like. I think Richard could have done it. He definitely could have done it. Richard may have been able to do it. Um, I don't think Grandpa could have. No. I don't. I don't think that would have been safe for him. <laughs> he tries killing Jim Pie, um, but Shizui kicks a rock onto his head and sends him falling to what we think is his death. Yes. Uh, and then we get we get um, <laughs> Shizui like. All men are assholes. Mum, why did you even marry Dad? Yeah. <laughs> and Teru says she married him because she saw him shining shoes in his underwear and that made her want to cook for him forever. <laughs> what the fuck? That's true love. It's that's, true, true that's love. love. That's love. Yeah. You can't explain <laughs> it, apparently. What's hilarious here is that in the... In, the quiet families, uh, when with the quiet family, when the guy gets killed off the cliff, comes back, it's made to look like a very intense scene. Um, this here is the complete opposite. He come, Richard comes back to the guest house, all beaten and bloody, and he calls up a number whilst apologizing to a bunch of random names before yeah. he dies. I'm assuming these are the people that he cheated. Yeah. Before he died. <laughs> Um, hilariously, he gets uh, Shizui's name wrong. Yeah. Before dying, <laughs> what does he... I think he just calls her a completely random yeah. name. Uh-huh. Like final apologies to you, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> Not my name. Uh, she she tells all of her family that he was a member of the royal family. <laughs> but Jenpai searches his clothes and finds tissues from the Dial a Date Club at the station. <laughs> The Dial a Date Club. Dial a Date Club. Um, that's they had their own branded. They had their own branded tissues. Yeah. Uh, a label stated when you couldn't get a date. Well, the dial. Um, a label stating his outfit is a film studio rental costume, <laughs> and the wallet belonging to the guy who committed suicide. Oh, proving Masayuki's innocence. Yes, because um, the family did suspect that potentially he had because of his criminal past, yeah. killed the gentleman and stolen his wallet. Uh-huh. Um, a sad-looking family show up asking for a room whilst the daughter of the family plays the flute. <laughs> yeah, they're caught out in a terrible storm. Yeah. So that's where they're looking. And yeah, she's... Is it a flute or is it a recorder? Maybe a recorder. It's a recorder. Oh. Yeah. And it's like Do you really... Every, every kid back in the day had a recorder uh-huh. and he had to... 
because it was like the simplest instrument to be taught yeah. at school and uh-huh. it sounds awful I'm, it so, does. I'm sure there are people out there who can make a recorder sound beautiful they weren't at my primary school and they certainly aren't in this film either I'm sorry well it sounds like creepy horror music yeah um, at first and it's like thunder and lightning and you don't know who you know who's Is at the thunder door thunder and lightning thunder oh thunder and lightning you don't know thunder <laughs> Yes. You don't know who's at the door and they come in. It's just a family looking really sad. Um, Shizui's like, no, that family looks, is like, that family looks suspicious. <laughs> the mother of the family is then like, have you got any strong cord we can borrow? Yeah. <laughs> so we cut to Genpai and Masayuki digging a big hole in preparation to bury the family. <laughs> yeah. But they show up alive. Yeah, yeah, to their surprise, the family are close by, watching them dig the hole yeah. <laughs> before the family go off on their merry way. The daughter's still playing the flute, uh, yes. the recorder. Yes. Uh, and the son has it the might cord. Be a flute. Might be a flute. Same thing, same thing. The son has the cord that they requested as a bow. Ah, like Mo. Yeah. <laughs> they like, uh, they're like, well, what's the hole for? And Genpai says, oh, it's for garbage. And they uh, they thank them and they just go about the day. Yes, the hole doesn't go unused though, does it? No. Gary? A man in a suit with flowers dives into the hole whilst an earthquake erupts nearby, which leads to the corpses emerging from the ground and coming back to life as the katakuris perform. Always look on the bright side, which isn't the Monty Python no, song. No, it, it just better. happens to have the same. It is better. Yes. Uh, the zombies also join him with the choreographed dance number. It's giving Linnea Quigley's horror workout. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, tell me it isn't. It is. <laughs> slash thriller, of course. Wow. I think thriller was the reference here. Um, so funny to watch these zombies dance to a song about positivity and moving forward and learning from past mistakes. <laughs> Uh, the zombies absolutely know a banger when they hear one, they join in. Yeah. It's, it's high camp. And I think what's even more camp is the fact that the actors pointed out on the documentary is that they're not trained dancers. No. They're not pop stars. No. They're just trying their best. And seeing that and seeing how amateur it is just adds to why it's so funny and so camp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when the song finishes, the corpses are back where they were before. And the guy from the hole has been put in a guest room. Now, there's one one zombie scene in this. and But what the tagline that annoys me about this film is, it's the sound of music meets Dawn of the Dead. I mean, it's, it's not it's really... No. It's not really Dawn of the Dead with one zombie scene, is it? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's a better comparison you could make. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, you'd, you'd want to say it's the sound of music meets the quiet family, but no one's going to get that. But then even like the sound of music stuff, Right at the end of the film. It is. It is. It's two little parts. I, I, do you know what? I wouldn't even compare it to anything else. And no. I understand and that's the thing. It's, it's marketing yeah. 101 for films. Compare for it to a Western film. audience. From the producer of this, you know, is the picture, the outside code, psycho, yeah. all that business. Yeah. Um, I understand that's how they do it. It annoys me, though, because sometimes it's completely made up. It is. Yeah. It's not in this... I mean, there are little tidbits, but it kind of... 
it, it kind of goes against what makes the film so great. Yeah. Which is, it's not comparable to anything mm-hmm. else. It's its own thing. Yeah. It's even if it's a remake, it's still completely so much out yeah, yeah, there yeah. that it, it, it isn't comparable to anything else. No. Uh, the police show up whilst uh, the guy from the hole panics and grabs a knife. The earthquake shakes the house as Genpai, Maso, and Masayuki sing a song about who should confess and take the blame for the buried corpses. Yes. Grandpa, because he's an elderly gentleman, says that he should, <laughs> as he's lived his life. It's funny because they've actually, they haven't killed anyone. No. No. <laughs> they've completely made this worse for themselves the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, Genpai uh, tries telling the police to arrest him. But they just walk straight past him because they're after a man who's killed his wife. The killer thereafter is the guy from the hole and he walks outside of the guest house holding Teru at knife point. Maso begs the killer not to take Teru. So he lets her go before running towards Maso with the knife. But Masayuki jumps in the way and is, so we believe, stabbed before the police arrest the killer. Wow. Really sad moment. Very sad moment. Masu and Teru sing about how precious their son is before he says his goodbyes with the last one being, Sis, you're quite a babe, so keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> Just nice, Just a, you know. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep trying. <laughs> keep trying. You'll, you'll find the right man one day. <laughs> Uh, they all realise it was uh, actually just a graze and he survives after all that. <laughs> they realise that he's in fact okay. Now at this point, Takeshi Miike is like, I've got a couple of minutes left uh, of a film. It's ended there, but I mean, what can I do now, you know? So we go back to Claymation. We do. The volcano erupts again. Yeah. Hochi, the dog, rides down the lava on a branch... This is white lava as well. White lava. I, I don't... Yeah. If we're talking about the circle of life, if we're talking about life and death... Yeah. ...and rebirth, the white volcano, I'm sure you can <laughs> come to your own conclusion. Thank... Oh, pun, no, pun intended. heavily wow. intended. Wow. Um, yeah, so Pochi's riding on the River of Cum um, on a branch whilst grabbing hold of the killer. The... Ejaculation uh, or the the lava uh, from the volcano goes over the house whilst they all hold hands in the circle surrounding it <laughs> to protect it. Yeah. Um, film is truly bookended with two of the craziest scenes I've ever seen in any film ever. It's out there. It's, it's definitely out there. Because <laughs> it doesn't end there. They're back in live action. Yeah. The family and guest house have survived... Um, being covered in spunk, mm-hmm. so they perform. That's happiness. Now but it's this actually is... moved the house. It's moved the house. It? Yeah. It's actually moved it to maybe a better location yeah. <laughs> or away from all the pile up of dead bodies, and yeah. So they, the new location has is it a giraffe, yeah, and an elephant, and all that bits, and a rainbow, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's the perfect place to film a tribute to The Sound of Music. Yes. <laughs> which is what we get here. Yeah, they all hold hands. They run over the hills. Yeah. Very much like Julie Andrews. Yes. Yeah. Um, channeling their inner Maria. Yeah. Uh, the hills are alive. All that business. What is it you can't face? All that yeah. good stuff. 
and Sound of Music, one of my absolute favourites. Um, so to see it referenced in this wacky horror musical, it's, it's not jarring. What's what's a nicer term for jarring? <laughs> I mean, jarring. I, I'd say jarring. So it's, it is, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, the following year, in the exact same spot, Jempai uh, drops dead. So they all celebrate. And that's the happiness of the categories. He doesn't drop dead. He doesn't. Well, no, he so, shoots up to the sky. Yeah, Yinru, in her narration, says, as they're all smiling and doing their Maria von Trapp shtick, they, she says, one year later, Grandpa dropped dead. <laughs> and then he looks really sad, as if he's just been told he's got a yeah. year to live. And then he shoots up into the sky like a <laughs> rocket. And everyone is so happy. <laughs> And that's the end. Um, I think that's meant to be a celebration of life, but there's also no denying that is a group of people celebrating the grandpa just died. Yeah. So it's, it's really weird to look at. Um, and what a way to end the film. Um, what a way to... Yeah, a fitting way. I mean, it was batshit from the start and batshit to the end. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's so out there. It's the height of entertainment. Yeah. And that's what I say. I've said it time and time again. Everyone's probably really bored of hearing me say it. But I can forgive a lot of things in a film as long as you're entertaining me. Yeah. Can't forgive everything, obviously. Um, but I was entertained from start to yeah. finish. The songs, great. You know, the, the horror aspects, great. The humour, fantastic. You know, loved it. So out there. Um, it's the kind of shit that I eat up. And it's the kind mm. of shit. And again, you're sick of hearing me say this as well. But it's the kind of shit that Japan does really, really well. Yeah. Japanese cinema mm-hmm. has a knack for these sort of comedies. Yeah. Is it for everyone? Absolutely not. No. Um, is it for me? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it feels like it's tailor made for mm-hmm. what we enjoy. It's just, like I said at the start of the episode, you know, this is my idea of what a perfect film should look like. It is everything I could want in a film. And it's, with Takeshi Miike, you know, there's still a lot we need to see, but my favourite often changes between this and audition. Right now, in this moment, I'd say it's this. Um, ever so slightly. Um, but, you know, he's a genius. It's it's the sign of a, a great filmmaker that something like Audition which has a little humour to it, but it's very dark, very yeah. dark film. Yeah. And something like this, which is much, much lighter mm. in tone, yeah. are still expertly crafted yeah. and really well made and sort of just as good yeah. as each other. And um, yeah, it's a sign of a, a fantastic filmmaker. So let's give it some awards. Biggest Queen, I give it to Teru entirely because of that dress during a karaoke scene. I mean... And the wig. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a serve. Um, She's a loving and devoted mother and wife. And yeah, what a queen. Biggest Gasp, for me, it goes to the demonic cherub stealing the woman's uvula within the opening minutes. (laughs) Like, I mean... 
Why would you expect that? <laughs> um, I did go with the squished girlfriend reveal. Yeah. Bless her. Bless her out. Uh, best dialogue goes to the Princess Diana monologue. <laughs> I went with similar. I said, by order of Queen Elizabeth, give me your mobile number. And that's camp. Um, it has to be the first dead body discovery with the choreographed dance routine and the poses. That's camp. I went with uh, karaoke. Yeah. The karaoke scene. It rains, I give it 10 tissues from the Dial-A-Date Club at the station out of 10. I give it 10 completely unexplained attacks of Code Brown out of 10. Uh, masterpiece, trash piece, trash, basically a camp or a bunch of fern. It is a masterpiece. Yes, I completely agree. It's a masterpiece. It's available on DVD, Blu-ray and video on demand. And if you enjoyed this, check out The Legend of the Stardust Brothers. Uh, if you enjoyed this, check out Visitor Q, a yeah. more intense Mike film about family... That just is out there. Yeah. Somehow still tries to pass as a comedy. Yes. Yes. Um, if uh, you would like to tell us about how much you love this film, then we are Horrorcult Trash over on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Horrorcult Trash on Twitter. I'm dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd. Gazmo205 on Instagram. And GazCruz92 on Twitter. I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. Uh, give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like if on everything else. Also, check us out on Gasporafest across all social media. If you're a filmmaker, if you are a minority filmmaker, and you have a new horror film you want to submit, it's your last chance. Submissions are open until the 14th of February. Yes. So, get your submissions in for the late deadline. Yeah. Check us out on social media, on the website. If you've got a fantastic film that you're dying for us to see and to put on let us know next week we continue Japanuary with a discussion about Evil Dead Trap which surprisingly actually isn't an Evil Dead ripoff no no (laughs) it's not Um, yeah fantastic horror film can't wait to speak on it yeah So we'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye.